not staying down there anymore. This is Slashers, a horror movie podcast brought to you by two goons with nothing better to do on whatever night it is we chose to record this week. My name is Jake, and with me as always is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Brian. Brian, do me a quick favor and say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hey, how's it going, guys? Happy Leif Erikson Day. Even though I'm not really sure it is Leif Erikson Day, but I'm going to go ahead and run with it. I think with the right holiday spirit, it's always Leif Erikson Day, wherever you are. Brian, this week we are covering the movie Chud. Do you have any recollection as to why we chose to do this movie? Uh, well, to be quite honest with you, Jake, uh, I have no idea why we chose this movie. Because to be honest with you, I had not heard of this movie before you even mentioned it. Yeah, so those of you who don't know... I recently guested on Cult Classic Mania, which is one of our friends, Matthew Heckman, uh, his podcast, and he wanted to do Chud 2, Bud the Chud. And so I had the wise idea, well, hey, why don't we do Chud on this show since Brian had never heard of it? Um, that was a terrible mistake. I didn't need to have even rewatched this one because Chud 2 is so far apart from this movie. It's actually eerily similar to the fact of the difference between Troll and Troll 2. And one of the things I highlighted on Cult Classic Mania was the writer of Bud the Chud, or Chud 2, wrote Troll and then had his work bastardized. And I think that's all some kind of karmatic circle jerk because he bastardized the sequel to Chud. Uh, the movie it stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dweller. And... Um, We'll get into how we feel about this movie. Uh, did you, uh, really quickly, Brian, in just looking at the art and everything for this movie, do you think that the marketing was better than the movie? Oh, the marketing was amazing. You know what's funny is the first thing that came to mind when it came to uh, the poster, or, you know, the first thing that came to mind when I first saw the image that came up when I uh, Googled it for the first time, thinking, what the hell is Chud and should Jake go see a doctor about it? Um, is I feel like there, it was almost like a video game cover, right? It seemed like it had like a cool 80s kind of style, like Nintendo classic video game cover to it. I don't know. I thought it looked really I cool. I would play the hell out of that. Yeah, I think that's a very, very astute. Like, it, it, I don't know if you, you know, have stumbled upon it on Instagram. It seems like right now it's super trendy to be going back to the VHS cover art of everything. And... I think no better example exists than Chud of something where it's very clearly of its time. It's kind of innovative. I don't know. It, it oversells the movie. So I had a feeling that that might happen with you. I almost warned you, hey, just skip all the marketing materials and go straight to the movie. But you can't because it's so good. Right. You have to enjoy the the whole aspect of the movie, even the cover. So you know, I definitely uh, enjoy the cover. So uh, on this show, if you're not familiar, we are loosely themed around hockey and our love, therefore. And so we are going to go into a section right now, which is our analytics, or which we call Stabtistics. But um, anyway, uh, this movie was either released on 12-31-83, as according to Shudder, or 8-31-84, according to literally everywhere else I looked on the internet. The movie has a 96-minute time, which is pretty breezy. Uh, I think I've said that about virtually every movie we've watched. Yeah, which, you know what's funny? I, I, I feel like we say that, but at the same time, regardless of how long or short it is, if you really just enjoy the movie as a whole, it's going to be breezy, right? It doesn't matter how long it is. It's just one of those things that your brain just almost seems to just like go on like autopilot, and you're like, well, 
That was super easy to watch. Oh, man, that was three hours long. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair critique. Uh, and especially, we've kind of talked about this. I don't know how much on the air, but um, off the air, I know we have where my love of horror films really comes back. There was a series of books in my elementary school library. They were black and white pictures, and they had an orange back, uh, and they were Universal Monster movies in book form. And so I was obsessed with them. I would every single book report on them. I loved them. In fact, I recently looked to try and buy them, and they are incredibly expensive. My point being, that inspired me to go to the local library and rent Frankenstein, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, on all of these classics. And I think my formative experience with horror snail's pace. You know, some of those things kind of slog for quite a bit. So anything that has any kind of pep to it gets my... uh, primordial motor going primordial and motor why did i put those two words together primordial primordial oil (laughs) oh and brian with the save no punchline gets passed slashers podcast so the movie was directed by douglas cheek hey brian do you know what other famous movie douglas cheek directed uh i honestly couldn't tell you it doesn't matter because he didn't do it. Oh shit! Uh, one yeah, this one is and only done, feature huh? Film. Yeah, when I was looking through, I, I was doing research for Chud too, and I'm like, okay, well, why didn't he come back for Chud too? This is, of course, when I'm like, I had a vague recollection the movies were different, but I had no idea they were effectively just two different things. And yeah, according, I'm double checking IMDb. There's a, a couple of editing jobs he did. But in terms of directing, the only feature-length film that I've seen, um, and I could totally understand why. Yeah, you know what's you know what's so sad is wherever that guy is, whatever job he's doing, um, you know, there's probably going to be the occasional person who comes up to him and is like, "Oh yeah, you look really familiar. Are you?" And he's going to get his hopes up, and he's going to be really excited that they're going to bring up Chud, and they're not. They're just going to completely say something else. And he's like, no, it's fine. <laughs> Are you going to get the fuck out of my way so I can keep walking on the sidewalk? Can you? you know, can you, I'm sure he's panhandling at this point. Can you please uh, bag my groceries? I mean, this is yeah, Walmart, right? right? <laughs> so uh, the movie was written by Parnell Har. Or Paul, Parnell Hall. Har. <laughs> har, har, Man, har. my penmanship is really bad. Um, and the interesting thing is, uh, as far as... Chud 2 goes, it was originally conceived to be a Return of the Living Dead sequel, and they were like, nah, dog, this sucks too hard, (laughs) and they made it into a Chud sequel, um, which that tells you kind of the freewheeling and dealing that you have in the 80s, especially when you have, like, canon films and people just buying and selling movie rights, like, it's none other. Right, right. uh, Rather than, like, these big yeah, huge mega corporations holding on to the rights of everything and doing even their own direct to uh, video sequels. Yeah, man, it was uh, so. it was selling movie rights and doing copious amounts of cocaine. Copious cocaine. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, can you do me a quick favor and can you walk me through the recapitation? Right, absolutely. So, for a quick recapitation, basically, I'm just going to give you the quick little spitball version of the film before we go into our uh, slay by play so basically you have the main character george is an established photographer with an apt eye for revealing the grit and grime of new york city underground when some of his subjects go missing however he soon realizes he's not on he's not the only one or thing that has an eye on them with the unlikely team of a police captain 
soup kitchen slash reverend. I'm not sure because I feel like I get a description of two different people or two different descriptions of the same person. He's either a soup kitchen guy or he's like a reverend. And it's kind of strange. He's, he's an ex-con. So, I mean, that, he's kind of like the joker in this where it's like just multiple choice backstories. <laughs> Pick whichever one makes you more comfortable. Well, so uh, police captain, soup kitchen slash reverend, and a photographer, they find out what Chud really stands for. I love it. Before we went on the show, you and I were talking about the marketing materials, which we're both very fond of. And they have this weird kind of blurb at the top of the poster, which I could not give two shits less about. Honestly, I think it would have been more effective if they just did stars in the sky instead of this text. But it reads, a recent article in a New York newspaper reported that there were large colonies living under the city. The paper was incorrect. What is living under the city is not human. Chud is under the city. Um... Yours is way better. Uh, so, not to toot our own horns, but we kind of fucking rule. Yeah, man. And we're moving on to the next section. For those of you who don't know, hockey people, we do nicknames. It's what we do. You, you, like, we've talked about it. Dustin Brown is not brown. He's brownie. Kopitar, not Kopi. Uh, yeah. Mr. Hockey for Gordie Howe. Uh, there are so many nicknames. It's very prevalent. So, we can't go through a movie without making an absurd reference. So... We had two, which are funny enough, from the same movie franchise. George Cooper, who's the photographer, is played by John Hurd, who's the dad from Home Alone, Mr. McAllister, and Reverend Shepard is played by Daniel Stern, Marv from Home Alone. Yeah, I feel like he also has a fun name in City Slickers also. It just doesn't come to mind on what his name is, right? Because he, City, he was in City Slickers, right? Hello? Yes, he was in City Slickers, and why is it escaping me? <laughs> Damn it, Brian. Why did you do this to my brain? Because if you would have asked me about Bushwhack, I'm like, nah, dog, I got it. He's Phil Burquist. Oh, see, no, City easily Slickers. forgettable. Easily yeah. forgettable. Honestly, I thought it was something more like Vern. I don't know. Marvin Vern. It makes sense. <laughs> it's totally right. It's, it's almost a, an anagram. You know, what's funny is, um, yeah, so they were both in Home Alone, right? But then also, Bosch was in Home Alone also. Did you catch that? I did. Actually, he was in a lot of things that I enjoyed as a kid as like a, a character actor. But go ahead. Keep going. No, I, I'm, with- I'm not. It was like Home Alone 3, and I'm pretty sure I didn't get past Home Alone 2, so I couldn't tell yeah. you honestly what his name was he, in Home Alone 3. He, it was Agent Stucky. I feel like at that time, um, Macaulay Culkin was probably having um, weird fun times at the Neverland Ranch, so he wasn't even in Home Alone 3, I don't think. Nope. <laughs> but, I mean, let's go through this guy's filmography we're talking about christopher curry um this is his third or his yeah his second feature film after playing the pursuit of db cooper as a hippie Uh, he was later in the return of superfly he was in the tv show wings he was in babylon 5 which is where i know him from um i starship troopers the guy is that's right he was in starship troopers he was the dad right Johnny Rico's dad, who's very critical, and it's yeah. So that's one of those things. The the, the good character actor who's always in shit. Uh, I mean, they're well fed. They work. You know what? And it's funny because there's some solid actors who aren't the main cast of this film. John Goodman, 
Are you kidding me? I'm like, whoa, hold on. I mean, I feel like we're jumping ahead, right? Because, I mean, he's not until, like, way, like, after the fact of, you know, the beginning of the movie. He's, like, actually more towards the the latter part of the movie, like, way towards the end. But he has, like, a super brief kind of cameo almost, right? Absolutely. Skinny. I feel like we'd call him Skinny Goodman. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's fair. Skinny Sully. Yeah, the, the movie, it's interesting. It's one of those things where... More than, I think, a lot of the movies we've watched, it's this kind of beautiful microcosm. It's this little thing. It's very time capsule um, So many things wouldn't work modernly uh, because, well, maybe they would now that I come to say it out loud. Like George Cooper being, I mean, he's the proto-hipster, isn't he? So, I mean, he could totally fit in Instagram culture. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially, like, with the um, the outfit that sold me at the beginning of the movie, right? <laughs> That's what totally sold me. I'm like, he's either homeless or he's a hipster. I mean, and we play the game where they can be one and the same. Yeah, I think that's very true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he has such a silly attitude towards everything where he's trying so hard to be anti-establishment. And as somebody who grew up relatively in the music scene, I've dealt with people like this. And I'm just like, no, you're you're not that great. But everybody blows smoke up his ass and he thinks he's that great. And it's like, fuck. Yeah. Even cops just let him tag along. So now he has this overinflated sense of ego. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, we're going to go into the slay-by-play, which is effectively where we just go through the movie and rant. This is yeah. the best shit ever. I love it. This so is the, this is the best part of it, I think. You guys made it this far. You definitely want to listen in on this part. <laughs> Hell yeah. So the movie starts with a lady walking her dog in the middle of the fucking street. Yeah. What the Terrible fuck's up with idea. that? The, the dog is... It's funny because, like, there's clearly a sidewalk on either side of the street. And, yeah, I get it. There's, like, some transients around. And she's, like, all, like, hoity-toity. Like, she's, like, well, I I can't be seen walking my dog around these people or something. So I'm just going to, like, yeah, walk in the middle of the street because fuck traffic, right? (laughs) Exactly. So she, fun and, uh, you know, interesting enough, is Daniel Stern's wife in real life. Uh, she is walking a dog that looks exactly like the dog from the Caesar dog food cans or <laughs> little plastic tubs. And the manhole cover opens up and sucks them both in. I thought it was going to be that the dog escaped. And the dog doesn't escape. Yeah. It makes me sad. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things, you know, um, I don't. I hate to give things away. But, like, anytime I feel like you see a, a, some sort of cute, adorable dog, cat, anything, in horror movies especially, you're like, oh, mother. <laughs> Son. Yeah, you're playing with my emotion. Right, right. Did you catch that there is a an eerie similarity to our very first formal episode when she gets pulled under? It leaves a shoe in the road. Oh, just like our little homie Gage. That's right. That's so funny. I didn't even think about that. But you know what? Um, one thing that I did really notice about that, and it was such a random thing to kind of think about, was um, how long it showed the street sweeper going down the damn street. Like, I, f- I want to hmm. say it. there was like a, a solid minute and a half, two minutes of just like showing the street sweeper slowly sweeping things up underneath it. I was like, I don't know, is there, are they, like, trying to tell me something? Like, there's more to these street sweeping guys? Like, are they going to be part of the main cast? Like, there's these street sweeping guys that find these aliens? But, like, I don't know, it seemed like it was, like, the street sweeper, like, sweeping, coming down the the street really slowly, right? And then you're like, okay, it's going to sweep up the shoe. All right, any time now, any time now. And then I saw this pigeon, I was like, oh, my God, the pigeon's going to get ran over. And then, no, pigeon didn't get ran over, but. 
So you just kind of had horror blue balls during this scene where you're like, everything's going to pay off and then nothing paid off. You just have a rigid pleat in your jeans. Yeah, man. And it always ends up hurting. (laughs) So we go kind of abruptly from that to George Cooper's apartment, townhouse. I'm not quite sure because they have access to what appears to be multiple basements, but whatever. And he has a dialogue with his answering machine because he's screening his calls. It appears to be either his agent, someone, and he's being very sarcastic and dismissive and he's not wanting to effectively play ball with this person. Um, I thought it was interesting. It shows a a decent enough backstory. It shows his affect and his status. What do you think of that for your initial introduction to who is the hero of the film right you know it, it kind of shows that he's um a little bit of a i don't know he seems kind of snarky kind of seems like he's a little kind of full of himself a little bit yeah. you know and it definitely you know in a, in a very quick dialogue uh shows you what kind of person he is although at the same time it, it it does but it doesn't because you know he does have a lot of redeeming qualities to himself but like he does kind of have like that like full of himself kind of like well i'm i'm already an established photographer so i can kind of act this way you know what i mean yeah he's smarmy and it's it's one of those things we all know that person the person who has gone out and gotten signatures for greenpeace or whatever and all you know at the end of the day yeah it is an altruistic endeavor but it's also an effort for social status and i feel like very much so his pursuits are for social status and i don't think it's until the end of the movie that he really is a humanized character in that way that might be reading too much into what's in essence just kind of a crappy schlock sci-fi film but that's kind of what i got yeah but i mean it also i mean in a in a way it, it seems like it shows um from the beginning of the movie towards the end without giving away too much uh how much he grows as a character which is yeah. always a redeeming thing yeah, I think that definitely helps, you know, and it also makes you understand that this happened for a reason. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of people struggle with movies where you have a dire situation, uh, but nothing truly of consequence matters. Or like, think about the movie The Descent, for example. If it didn't have great acting and a good backstory, if you were just objectively watching the movie and you didn't see her hallucination at the end, uh, what happens? You watch this whole two-hour endeavor but everybody dies anyway so what's the point right right so that character development really helps you feel like oh there was there was point to this there was weight to it yeah absolutely and you know i can tell you honestly one thing um that he uh george has going for him is i feel like i i like him a whole hell of a lot more than i like gage's dad in pet cemetery yep (laughs) david dadzelhoff for sure hands down so yeah moving on and also we're from california so, I mean, we're used to hipsters, so whatever. Um, <laughs> the next shot is in the basement, which it's run down. The light switch doesn't work. So it's one of those things that's it's kind of interesting. The light switch doesn't work, but rather than fix it, they just put a flashlight there, which I think is so characteristic. Of, it's, it's saying a lot more of the scene. Like, you couldn't be bothered to buy a light bulb. So you just went and grabbed a <laughs> flashlight, and that fixes the problem. But you didn't fix the problem. You fixed the symptom. Um, and again, I might be reading too much into it. Uh, person doesn't die, whatever. We go up to the street. There's a, a pedestrian who comes across, um, you know, what is the landmark of all low-budget films, a bunch of empty boxes. You see this in every low-budget action film, horror film, anything. It's a great way of establishing props that can collapse or fall, and 
they cost nothing. Right. Uh, and, and that was behind them. If I, if I recall, isn't that where it's, it's almost like a sound, right? Doesn't something shake and the boxes yep. end up like shaking and there's like a sound or something like a scream. Yep. And yeah, then okay. she moves and well, I think she moves it and then she screams in reaction to the bloody hole. I might be wrong, but I think that's I think, the way it works. Yeah. I think that's how it went. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like, um, especially with the film, and as far as, you know, the limited budget's concerned, it's just kind of one of those things where it uh, leaves it up to the imagination a little bit, right? They're yeah. like, well, we're working with what we got, so we're just going to, like, show a little blood here, a little bit of moving boxes, and you get the idea. I think it's a smart idea. You know, at the end of the day, my imagination is arguably boundless, but their budget is very much bound. So allowing me to kind of assume the worst or go whichever way, but also it kind of makes it tame enough to where if you wanted to put this on TV, you totally oh, you could. totally could. Absolutely. This is one of those films that's definitely, I feel like, made for TV. Yeah. Late, late, so, late night TV, but still TV nonetheless. For, for sure. <laughs> this is the monster vision. The drive-in will never die. Um, if you guys don't know, Joe Bob Briggs is my spirit animal. And it was <laughs> watching him come back to TV that really kicked me in the ass to start this podcast. So uh, list of dream guests consists of Joe Bob Briggs. And John Bloom. And I don't want any other guests. And Brian, why is that clever? <laughs> That's his real name. Oh my god, I'm so funny. It's so organic humor, too. It's like it just comes to my head. It's weird. I like um, it. I like it. Anyway, we're, we're moving on quick before I embarrass myself even further. Um, trust me, like my pants. I clearly have an erection when I'm talking right now, but that's because I was doing sports earlier. It's not because I'm in love with Joe Pop Riggs. Oh, weirdos. thank God I can't see that right now. Oh, dude, it's <laughs> solid and it's veiny. It looks like it should. It's got eyes that are glowing. I think I need to see a doctor. This is bad. Uh, we cut to George Cooper, uh, who has a boner for throwing temper tantrums, apparently, because he's like, that, that, capitalism, <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, fuck you. I just, <laughs> my right. instant reaction was so hostile, and then I was like, oh, I get it. He's, I mean, he definitely, you know, he definitely oversells it, but it's funny because he, at the same time, I, I, I see nothing but Kevin McAllister's father, who is, like, <laughs> super wealthy in Home Alone. Like, look at the fucking yeah. house they have. Like I'm like no, dude, come on! I know what you grew up to be. <laughs> yeah, that that's a great point. Like he's affluent in this movie too, so it's like you're not living hand to mouth. Like you're a guy, you're like the dude from Sublime, you know? Like you're a rich guy who went to the barrio. You're not just some. You're insincere, you know, poser. <laughs> like you're the fucking asshole who took his brand new jeans and sandpapered him in the knees. Yeah, absolutely. What's uh? What was the next scene that came out? Uh, came up after uh, the boxes and and the manhole and the, everything else. You said it was George kind of throwing a giant tan- temper tantrum. Yeah, and then from there he calls. And I mean, this is one of the things where kind of I guess modernizing it wouldn't be too hard because he calls home and checks his voicemail, which he could just use his cell phone modernly. And he finds out that one of his subjects has been arrested by the cops for trying to steal a cop's gun, and oh, he just bolts. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so and then she, he go, the next shot's at the police station, which, you know, feels very reminiscent of Paul Verhoeven and Robocop, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know what's funny is it's it, it seems like no matter what um no matter what movie set or what movie you watch, even if it's in New York, LA, San Francisco, they all have the same um police station. Every oh, single yeah. one, right? It's the exact Everything same. Everything is wood. Yeah. <laughs> 
in fact, if you look at like the Ferris Bueller uh, police station, you compare it to RoboCop, you compare it to a lot of them, it's the exact same. You can compare it even to Friday the 13th Part 6, and as Jason Lives, where it's Tom Watson, he's like, you gotta let me out. <laughs> yeah, it's wood and just looks exactly the same. No, I think this is where we first get introduced to uh, Captain Bosch, correct? Is, Ooh, or is, is that it, not? Yeah. Is that not? I want to say it is, right? Because he basically gets pa- it gets passed on over to him, right? It's one of yeah. those things where he's like, okay, well, I need you to work on this. And they're like, well, we have something for you or this or that, right? Because he talks to the girl. She gives him a little a little back talk, a little sassiness, right? She's the girl cop, and she has to be like, super sassy. Sassy. <laughs> She's not an empowered woman. She's a bitch. <laughs> Don't you get that from every 80s movie? It's always like they're always just to the point of almost unlikable. But I think she did fine. But, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, so then the next – or vaguely – She's the uh, the bag lady who tries to steal the gun says that she's trying to find we- weapons quote for Victor. So we'll get into that because it's foreshadowing, arguably maybe plot. I don't know. I don't know film <laughs> terms. I didn't go to film school. You assholes. Um, the next scene is the introduction of Marv from Home Alone, <laughs> and he's working in a soup kitchen, and Bosch is there shaking him down because he has a vague recollection of having arrested Bosch or excuse me, arrested Marv when he was part of the wet bandits uh, <laughs> trying to abduct you a know child. What's funny is it's like uh, from home alone. You're like, dude, he has some insane hair. And then you look at this one. This is before yeah, Home Alone, and you're like, wow. <laughs> this is Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, when he gets electrocuted, because A, he's thinner, and B, his hair is standing straight up. Almost seems like he went full-on method actor, and he was like, he, I was on drugs. I was on drugs yeah. during the film. Full-on meth-hood. <laughs> uh, but he does a great job. Like, he talks kind of jive, and, you know, this and that, Jack and everything. I really like him in this movie. Oh, no, I think he, you know, I definitely I definitely appreciate him as far as, uh, you know, I feel like he even kind of has the same kind of uh, dialect as Mar from Home Alone as far as the way he kind of does. Uh, he, I can imagine him basically being like, we're no longer the wet bandits, we're the sticky bandits. But I can imagine him doing that along the same lines as something within this film. I don't know. Yeah, I could definitely see that. You know, he has a little bit more, like, hood attitude in this. Uh, but I definitely think that with some kind of routine and success as a con, he could totally turn into it. Right. Uh, which I like to think... I, this makes me happy to think of Chud as an unofficial prequel to Home Alone. <laughs> Um, but then there's the problem that the model who is banging George Cooper isn't um, isn't that that the redhead whatever yeah. her name is yeah god damn although, it, why can't I think although of her I name? feel like I feel like that's maybe a step up it would have been oh, a step up <laughs> not for me I'm really a guy really and also she voiced uh, Sally in uh, the night before Christmas which is kind of formative oh, in my libido interesting okay I, I didn't know started that. having erections at a very young age and uh, very often <laughs> it was Frankensteinian women who were blue and jumped out of tall towers it's very weird <laughs> um, also can't look at a bag of leaves without getting an erection it's the weirdest thing so it's because uh, of Sally <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, so are we talking about Chud the movie or the other Chud? What are we going on here? What, my trouser on? Chud. My <laughs> cannibalistic, humanoid, underpants dweller. <laughs> God damn it, why do I say these things? Uh, I really, the fact that anybody could find this, my parents, my in-laws, it's so bad. 
the, the greatest fear in my life is that, you know, God will actually exist and I'll show up at the gates and St. Peter's going to be like, hold up real quick. I want to play you some highlights from your own show that you put out for free. Yeah, but and you know what's funny, though, is it's it's... If anybody truly knows you, this is you. I mean, this is not you putting on an act. This right. isn't a facade. This is this is just genuine. So, and it's weird. <laughs> I talk like this all the time. Like this is not a stage voice. Uh, you know, I'm actually projecting today instead of like our pilot episode where I was so seductive. <laughs> but I always sound like this. So, could you imagine how hard it is to be my friend? And I'm like, like, look at this amazing thing I found. And nobody gives a shit. It's so weird. Oh, I give it, I give a shit, man. I give oh. a shit. Don't worry about it. I give shits about you. Anyway, <laughs> bromance. <laughs> bromance. Just a scat-filled bromance. It's Moving just two on. dudes talking about Chud with Chuds. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. So uh, Bosch refers to uh, the Rev Marv and accuses the soup kitchen of being a scam. And I was just like, I loved the idea. That some guy would be running a scam where he's literally like wallowing in human filth <laughs> and making soup for hobos. Like that's his big play at making good money. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely one of those things where it made you scratch your head a little bit. It's like this guy who's like clearly lugging around this like massive pot for like yeah. making like a giant pot of stew. And he's like he's like you know you imagine like him like picking up like the wooden spoon and having a sock in it right. like. <laughs> Got some protein for you. <laughs> uh, it's a, the scene's kind of silly, but it does do some good stuff. You get introduced to some crazy guy who talks about shutting the sky. Um, oh, dude, that like was weird, scene. right? I feel like, yeah. like, what was this? I don't know. It seemed like that's one of the quotes where I feel like you need to really memorize it. And then you end up, you're like, well, I didn't need to know anything that guy said at all. Like, he's yeah. like, they shut the sky off or something? or Well, then he's brandishing a knife. So, really, it doesn't matter what he says because you, all I remember is he's mumbling and he's crazy and he's got a knife. Right, right. But, I mean, at the same time, I feel like it's like, did the chuds, like, say something specifically to him? Or, like, he, like, somehow, like, survived? And then he's, like, giving them, like, a warning. Like, it's, like, a foreshadowing in itself. But, no, it's just some fucking weirdo that's, like, strung out, which is... I totally like that. I really love the idea that like chuds were prank phone calling him. <laughs> They're anyway. all just like laughing in the background. Like, <laughs> shut the sky. He's like, shut the fuck up. I've got work tomorrow. <laughs> and then he misses work. He becomes homeless. He takes his knife and goes into the sewer and eats at the soup can. This is the like unofficial it. backstory. <laughs> but the backstory that adds so much. Uh, one thing. Let me know if you notice this. Do you know what brand of jeans George Cooper wears? Because I can tell you, because that goddamn label was staring me in the face every time this fella bent over. Uh, the only <laughs> I was. No. It's crazy. It's the, it's Lee Dungarees, and uh, every you know, time. Funny, I was totally thinking Lee Dungarees. I was like, I actually, I was gonna say Dungaroos, which I don't even think are a thing anymore. Or no, if they ever were a thing. But yeah, Lee Dungarees definitely is something I feel like it caught my eye. I just, it couldn't, it wasn't coming to me until you mentioned it. <laughs> so uh, from there, the first time that the Reverend ever refers to the Chuds, he calls them the Ugly Fuckers, which I think is a way <laughs> catchier name. I, I think I would much rather have watched a movie called UF. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because, I mean, when you do eventually get to see a full-on, you know, reveal of uh, Chud, and I'm not talking about the Chud in the pants again, uh, <laughs> it is it is basically that. It's an ugly fucker. So, yep. I mean... <laughs> Reminds me of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator. You are one ugly motherfucker. Yeah, it's definitely a uh, precise description of the things. We end up... George goes and he's talking to the lady, the bag lady, and we meet Victor, the guy who they got the weapon. And you see he has like the gangrenous looking wound on his leg. And Brian, do you agree that the wound's acting was better than Victor's acting in this scene? Oh my god, the wound was cool, right? It was one of those things where you're like, holy shit. Like, it was one of those things where it seemed... Like, you can smell it through the screen. Dude, smell-o-vision for sure. <laughs> right? Like, you're that like, oh, like, that has, like, a like a gang gangrenous, pussy, nasty smell to it. And uh, I just ruined dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seriously, you can almost, like, imagine the oozing sound effect. Uh, but, yeah, you're entirely right. And you know what's funny, too, is uh, another thing that... Um, I feel like uh, I wanted to bring up was, I forget the guy's name, but the Hodor looking dude who totally was like, you know, I guess their friend, super like. Um, the brother, I, right? I, I, is that the brother? Is that Victor's brother? Yeah. Yeah. I, think I don't, so. I want to, I want to be super PC about it, right? He has um, strength. <laughs> Chromosomal strength. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it that so yeah but they don't really show him like you know what we're going to continue the nickname segment here his name is lenny <laughs> yes and yeah, george he, is a puppy let's just he, put it that way he definitely wanted to pet some wabbits let's just put it that way <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to the next scene you got uh bosch talking with the rev again and i think this is a great scene in the sense that marv the rev is very sophisticated he's like why would a police captain be investigating some hobos going mis- missing? And it's very astute. It's a great point because why would they? And, you know, in that you find out um, what he's coming to investigate. Uh, later on, you find out that the lady who was in the beginning with the dog, Bosch's wife. Which is super weird because I feel like it's one of those things that he snuck in. And they're yeah. like, oh, by the way, that lady in the beginning, that was his wife. And you're like, wait, what? Huh? Happy coincidence. You- yeah, this is a super weird coincidence, and it's one of those things that um, I don't know. They just didn't really explain that all, that much, and uh, it, it kind of reminds me of Monster Squad. And they did it wrong in this movie, but they did it right in Monster Squad because it's a child. But think about it: this lady is walking down the street with this cavalier confidence of like, I guess she has a cop for her husband, so she can walk and jaywalk however she damn well pleases. <laughs> but you go to Sean and Monster Squad, and he's like, "My dad's a cop. Anybody messes with me, he beats their ass." It makes sense when it's a child doing it. When you're a grown-ass woman, being responsible for a dog, a living organism, you don't walk in the middle of the street, even right. if you're not going to get a jaywalking ticket. Bitch. That's true. You know what? Did you did you actually read that um, in the extended cut version? Or maybe it's... I, I want to say it was the extended cut version. They actually had Bosch come into the precinct, and they showed him, like, her head. Did you... Oh. That's the version that I watched. No, it's a little bit okay. different. He goes to the water side and Is finds that... her dead body. And there's the crappiest voiceover ever by one of the deputies who's like, it's his wife. <laughs> and it's like, you dumb fucks. 
If you could look at the head and notice it's his wife, why the fuck didn't you see that first and not have the guy come all the way out to look at his wife's severed head in a, you know, yeah, a pile of rocks? It's, it's definitely not some of their brightest moments, but I Dude. mean, you know, two-bit cops, I guess, right? <laughs> well, I think what's great about it is they have to say, it's his wife, because... If they don't, you're like, who's this blonde <laughs> mannequin's head, and why did the, they wax like melt wax on top of it? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would have got from that was, oh, it was the lady from the beginning walking the dog. Yeah. I had no idea that was his wife. Oh, that's that's crazy. <laughs> so we move on. There's an EPA probe, hazmat suits. Uh, usually that only takes one week, but it took four weeks. So you have the rev being very suspicious. Uh, he called. In a week after the disappearance of the people, and they said that the probe had been over for three weeks. So he knows something's going on. Right, then you have right. a police captain down there. Like, you're not pulling one fast. Him. Uh, he kind of pulls the Palumbo like, oh, why don't you tell me what's going on? Even though he knows much more than he's right. going on. You know um, what's funny? All in between all of this, there's like, I feel like there's some like really kind of useless scenes. And I hate to like dog on the movie because it was a good movie as far as, um, I don't know, just worth watching, I suppose, um, as far as um, what the chuds were, the different um, kind of things going on there. But, I mean, when it comes to his girlfriend, is his girlfriend, George's girlfriend? Yeah. Fiance, wife, whatever. Wife. So, you know, basically, basically she's, like, talking about, oh, she's putting makeup on her ass because she has a zit or something. Yeah. Right? She has That's a pimple on her butt. and then Very interesting scene. It was it was weird, right? And then and then they also talk about uh, did we did we go over? I don't think we did when they had the photo shoot, right? That's one of those things where he's like, I'm anti, you know, capitalism, this or that. But it's yeah, like she all is in- the subject of his photo shoot, and she signs him up for it unwittingly. He doesn't know. He wants to be an artist, and she, they got to make money. I can't right, right. And it's like it's like okay, well, we're gonna throw this in here where he's like acting like a complete child. Right, yeah. where he's like, oh, I'm gonna take these photos. I'm gonna act like a jerk, and I don't, I don't really approve of you being nude in this. And it's like, well, you're the photographer, so I'm pretty sure you knew I was gonna be nude. So if, one of the things that's also very frustrating about that scene is he's like, oh, I don't care if you're nude for art, but I care if you're nude for capitalism or whatever. And it's like, bro, how did you afford your town? Yeah, how do you afford to not be the bag lady in the earlier scene or later scene? It's because yeah. of this endeavor, but whatever. Uh, yeah, no, he's sorry. Like, no, you're very right. Because it shows the hypocrisy of the character. He's willing to attain a higher social status and better things materialistically because of this. But he wants to act as though. Because the fact is, if he's truly so concerned with these people's well-being, he sells all of his worldly possessions and he tries to put them up in a tenement. But he doesn't do right. it. Right, right. So he's not yeah. a saint at this point. He's kind of a poser. And I think that's one of the things that by the end of the movie, he's not. He's actually a legit character. But it, it takes... A lot of bad things happening to him before he gets there. Almost like an Ebenezer Scrooge type character. Mm-hmm. So um, they find, a, or you know, the Rev shows Bosch all of his little goodies he's found. He finds uh, a nuclear regulatory commission Geiger counter. I was going to say, yeah, it's a Geiger counter, right? Yeah. And yeah. it fluctuates wildly, and they hear this like roaring sound. So, like, something just walked by that was sentient that was radioactive. Um, so that's when they try and have the whole meeting with the mayor and everything. And it's good that you have Bosch because you have somebody with a social status or the pecking order to be able to get that kind of attention, which you wouldn't give to a guy who runs a soup kitchen. And then from there, we go to the, you're going to have a baby scene. What do you think of that scene? It was another one of those random things where, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where you, 
I guess, kind of relate to the dude or it kind of make it makes it feel like you have some sympathy towards him and or his significant other. It's one of those things where they're just throwing it out there, even though there isn't any kind of progression within her being pregnant, like, at all. Yeah. It's just, like, basically saying, like, I'm pregnant. Could have been, like, you know, like, the first, you know, um, whatever it's called, the you know, two or three weeks into being pregnant where you're like okay i'm pregnant but i'm not really pregnant yeah. kind of thing i don't know if that makes any sense for sure it's like it doesn't show there's no kind of like effects or there's no bump we don't see we don't feel for her because we don't see that you know what i mean it's just oh there's okay, no visual well, reminder she's super skinny and very fit and she's doesn't have that kind of matronly aura about her and so you're exactly right it's one of those things where I think it's kind of a ploy of the audience, which you've heard me talk about whenever they put kids in movies or, I guess, zygotes in movies. Do you want me to care about this lady because she's with child? Why don't you just make her a likable character and I'll care about her regardless? Right. It does kind of serve a purpose because it kind of makes George have to realize his hypocrisy and just kind of go with it. They have that scene at the park where they're talking about what they're going to do. Um, so I guess it's fine, but I guess at a certain point, it's just fluff and it's filler. I would have much rather had another scene with a chud. And honestly, <laughs> all right, I don't think I'm asking too much when it's, we're talking about a guy in a rubber suit. Right. That's true. That's funny. I, I feel like I don't, I don't, I don't think I would ever get over, uh, hearing you say, I want to watch another scene with a chud. Cause <laughs> with our if new I didn't subtext, know what you were talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So, uh, interesting. We have another child murder. You got uh, the Chud comes out, kills the grandfather and the kid in the phone booth. Did that instill any kind of fear in you, or was it kind of just plot? What do you think? Uh, you know, it was... I liked it. I liked it because um, it shows that there's kind of no remorse. There's, there's not really like a, a particular selection of who or what they choose to eat yeah it's it's just it's a they're opportunistic right it's one of those things that uh as soon it's nothing as nothing personal uh, you're just food right exactly it's not one of those things where oh okay well it's a child so i guess we're gonna you know pass on that although at the same time i feel like how cool would it be if there was like a little mini chud running around dude that's a sequel i wanted to see because <laughs> yeah you can imagine there's transient children down into the sewers, right? So Hell yeah. I mean, why why wouldn't there be? I would love that. Leave it to Beaver, but he's a chud. Why the <laughs> hell not? Chudus the menace? Yeah. I like uh, it. I, I think that it would logically follow that. Well, spoiler alert, we find out that they're the transient people. They just got nuclear waste and they become these creatures. But, you know. Oh, yeah, I guess I guess I threw that out there. So. <laughs> There's no spoiler. If you're going to sit there and look up a podcast to watch, are we charismatic enough to where somebody's going to listen to our show if they haven't watched the movie? If so, right. let me know. Because I, I could like use the ego boost. It's funny. I feel like this is one of those things that always happens with me. Every episode, I'm like, oh, yeah, and then this totally happens. And then you're like, spoiler alert. I'm like, ah, damn. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I just I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. It's fine. Yeah, and also, cool. nobody's that's... paying us for this shit, so if they don't like it, they can fuck <laughs> off or they can edit it themselves. Go ahead and do that. Why don't you edit my episode and send it back to me and tell me I'm wrong? I would love that. <laughs> do our job for us. Please. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I, I, I won't even be ashamed. I'll give you editing credit if that's what you want to do. And tell me why my sound quality sucks on this thing that you're getting for free that I have to beg you to listen to. Isn't that the All most right. inane shit ever? Why don't you follow me back on Instagram? But we'll move on. Um... 
Bosch puts out the APB on his wife, and you find out he puts it out like a day late, which is kind of weird. I almost wonder if there was a backstory between them where they were having like marriage. It was like problems. a rocky, yeah, it was like a rocky relationship. And it was one of those things too, where like right after he found out it was his wife, like he like is like hanging out in the bar. Right? And you're like, he's like, not even like, it didn't even seem like he was distraught or anything. Yeah. He's just like, pour me another drink. He's boozing <laughs> it up. Well, hot dog. Looks like you're coping very well, sir. <laughs> uh, so, at, uh, what is, I think I put 4045 into the movie. I put, the Rev is the king of leaving out information because he doesn't mention his giant bag of proof that he has uh, to anybody. He has like a boot and all this stuff, which I thought was pretty great. Um, we go to more pregnancy celebration, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't really hit me. Uh, they talk about, oh, this is interesting. The excuse that the commission guys give is that there's been an injunction uh, against them that's keeping the radioactive material in the city. So it was a court case, and as it was going from one place to another, it just stopped here, and that's they're stuck, and they act as though there's nothing they can do, uh, and that they're actually abiding by the law. Um, you have Bosch and the Rev try and call him out on it. And one of my favorite lines in any movie ever, the guy says, there's no cause to be insolent here. To which Marv responds, eat it. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. Like you could tell like, of all, like sometimes, yeah, I think it was George Orwell wrote, like if there's a simpler way to say something, use it. And so of all the insults of all the backhand, like everything, he just says, eat it, eat it. Two yeah. words, five letters, one punctuation mark, perfection. Yeah, that's pretty good. So that's when they're all having their little meeting, right? Yeah. When he brings like the bag and he's like, oh, I have all my evidence. And they're like looking at him like, look at this crackpot fucking crazy druggie. Oh, yeah. he, he steals that scene. It's so overacted, but it makes perfect sense in the context. Um, and then he acts, he tries to pass off George's photos as his own, which also earlier plot point, they just rob George and they take his pictures. <laughs> that's right? fun. Yeah, that's totally funny. And it's funny because he uh, he goes up to the to the sleazy reporter dude, right? And he's like, hey, give me my photos back. He's like, what? I don't know what you're talking about, bruh. Yeah. It's okay. Neat. That doesn't make sense. And then later on, I guess it kind of does because Rev's like, oh, you're George Cooper, right? And he's like, yeah, I am. Fancy running into you in this sewer here. And I know exactly <laughs> who you are. Like... I feel like that should sow distrust rather than trust, but whatever. Right. Um, did you love that they effectively deadpan the guy when they find out what Chud stands for? <laughs> they just look yeah. at him. They're like, wait, you're serious? That's that's what it stands for? Oh, okay. <laughs> but we'll get into why I like that a lot later. Moving on, the, so the Rev leaves the scene and he tries to make a phone call and the goon hangs up the phone. And then eat his quarter. quarter. (laughs) And so here's the thing. Did you feel that was oddly seductive? Because I think it's a new fetish for me. Because it's so weird. You know what's funny is um, it's like, uh, you know what that actor reminded me of is um, Ryan Gosling. Okay. I don't know why. He totally had like a Ryan Gosling look to him. Like from Driver. Like, I imagine him just, like, walking up with a sweet scorpion fucking outfit. Yeah. And then just, just, like, taking taking the quarter and eating it and then just walking away. Yeah. Instead of taking, like, a tack hammer and a nail, he puts the quarter on his forehead and is like, "Mm." (laughs) I guess he's oddly seductive, too, right? 
I remember yeah. seeing that movie with a girl I was dating at the time, and I think that she had squishy pants when we were leaving after watching him <laughs> fucking murder someone with a tack hammer. Yeah, yeah, man. And then um, stab Albert Brooks in the stomach. What is this guy? He yeah. stabs Marlon from Finding Nemo, and this girl had squishy pants. <laughs> like, Ryan Gosling, if I were him, I would just rob banks. Why not? No girl's going to get him convicted. There's got to be at least one chick on a jury. He's not going to jail. So I think I uh, he was in a movie where he was robbing banks, right? Wasn't that uh, Between oh, the Pines? Yep. I actually movie. used that. I made a fake trailer for what I called Gauze Rider, which was as if Ryan Gosling played Ghost Rider. And I cut out Nicolas Cage and I put Ryan Gosling <laughs> on a motorcycle and it. It's not good, but I really like doing it. It was so dumb. I did it on my I like phone. It. I like it. That's good. All right. So, okay. So he goes, tries to make phone calls. Uh, we had Ryan Gosling goon come up, eat a quarter. Yeah. Uh, kind of give him like a, like a smug smirk. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then just, like, walk away. And then Marv's just like, uh, all right. <laughs> but you're not going to, like, rough me up or anything? Right. Okay, he's like, sure. He's, he's like, okay, well, let me get my other quarter out. <laughs> he's like, I'm bitch, sure. I made a money. I run a soup kitchen. Don't you know how much that pays? <laughs> so they go, they find the, uh, the somebody quotes, there's every indication this once was human, uh, referring to a chud. Dude, does that sound like the intro to a sludgecore song or what? <laughs> Every indication that this Excuse me. I feel like I feel. I legit cough. I feel like almost every single horror film that we cover has some sort of um, I don't know aspect to it that can be transitioned over to some kind of like grindcore or like you know I mean something you know some sort of death metal or. Something like this makes me really glad I don't play guitar anymore because if I tried, I would be doing rather than a a bullshit little cartoon for each of our episodes, I would be writing songs and I don't have that kind of time. Right. And then, and then our um, podcast, the name would uh, be written in such uh, a way that nobody would know what it says. Yeah. It looks like a tumbleweed (laughs) on fire. Yeah. In black and white, high contrast. You you can't tell that it says Slash's pod. Come on. It's like the S is kind of right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It looks like lightning striking a fracture in dirt. Couldn't you tell what it's. (laughs) Did you notice that the containment suits that they're wearing look a lot like the containment suits from the movie Evolution, which makes this, I think, the third time I've referenced that movie on this show? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about you, but when I saw that scene, I thought to myself, wait, do all fire or uh, police departments have uh, flamethrowers? Is that a thing? I, I wrote. I actually have a big note about that, and I was like, "They must be sponsored by Elon Musk." <laughs> right. Let me tell you, those those flamethrowers did not look like flamethrowers either. Oh. I feel like they look like squirt guns for sure. <laughs> they just retrofitted a, a super soaker. Yeah. Like it, those are not government issue. That's just they some guy. They definitely. They almost had like a Martian look to them. Like it's something that you would see like from the Jetsons. Well, I think it's the Rev's other scam where he just puts gasoline into super soakers and puts a lighter at the end of it. <laughs> That's a thing. I feel like people actually do that. I don't doubt that. The South <laughs> is a big area. <laughs> it's a lot of people you can fit inside of it. I feel like they are also going to ICP concerts. <laughs> oh my God. The Gathering of the Juggle. Okay. <laughs> Brian, I'm going to ask you this seriously, and I'm doing it on the air so that you are pressured. Can okay. we do American Juggalo as a horror film and do a review of it? Because I feel like it's a horror film, and we should it do is, a review of it. It is definitely a horror film, but isn't it kind of like a documentary? But it's only 20 minutes. It's, it's bonus yeah. content. Absolutely. We People do whippets. Do 
There's a pregnant lady smoking. A guy spray paints his face. This is more horrific I mean, than a lot of movies. I mean, we, we can also, we can always double it up with uh, My Little Bronies, too. No. <laughs> oh, the unspeakable. Did I ever tell you that I accidentally ended up in a brony uh, group on that Destiny video game? No way. Yep. Because it was, like, stupid. You had to go on, like, an actual browser and find people to play with. And I found somebody. I don't remember what the acronym was. And so I can't believe I you, actually, you actually went that far. I, I was really annoyed. I had, I had to do it, but I, I was one of those things where, you know me, like when something pisses me off, I'm going to do it and I'm going to complain the whole time, but just, I need to have the satisfaction of knowing that the bullshit didn't stop me. So right. I log in, I'm talking, we're playing with this guy, seems totally normal and you know, hasn't called me bro or anything. And he's like, so what made you a brony or something like that? And I was like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> something's very wrong here. And he starts talking about his sexual attraction cartoon horses and no. what sucked was it shows you how willing i am to compromise my morals and values i was getting good loot and good xp so i just <laughs> muted him i did not you're, leave you're like hold on a second my outside chud just became an inside chud yeah so <laughs> he went way underground uh, so let's get back to the show uh, rev almost walks into bosch in like this derelict building and I don't know if it was meant to be a jump scare or like a gag that they're both like silly goofs. Could Do you remember that? Did it scare you or make you laugh? I couldn't tell what it was intending to do. I don't remember what part you're talking about. Explain it a little bit more. Uh, the Rev is just walking into this crappy ass building. And as he gets in there, Bosch is already there waiting for him. And he goes in, like into a new room and Bosch is coming out of the room and they're like, Whoa! No, I don't even remember that. Yeah, That's very funny. Mr. Bean. I, I yeah. feel like it was supposed to be funny, not scary, but whatever. Um, their plan is to flood the sewers with gas and kill all the chuds. Neato. It sounds like it's going to work. I just have a vague feeling it's going to work really well, and there's not going right. to be any dire consequences. Yeah, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna explain how exactly they're going to do it, or they're not going to explain like the the gravity of the situation. They're just going to be like, oh, you know what? This one idea that I feel like is really going to work. No brainstorming. We're just going to fucking do it. <laughs> Who cares about the environmental repercussions? I'm not gay. That, that's 80s man talking. That's my new character I'm workshopping. It's 80s man. And he just says horribly offensive things that don't date well. I'm not saying it personally. Um, so I love... This is the only time I can recall in any film ever somebody wearing cargo pants that has a purpose. Because the Rev is wearing cargo pants and he's able to fit an entire Geiger counter Geiger, into his that's pants. That's right. That's right. I totally, I totally remember watching that. I'm like, damn, dude, he shoved that motherfucker way in there. And yeah. it totally worked. It totally it worked. It looks yeah. like Danny Glover's phone from Lethal Weapon, this giant fucking brick suitcase. And it's just in his trousers. I feel like it's like um, cargo shorts are like the fanny packs of the fucking shorts. <laughs> yeah. So I you found I mean? out. We, yeah, you're exactly right. The guy, I'm looking at my notes. Lenny is apparently Val. That was the character's name. Oh, and I wrote okay. this down because he gets killed when the Lacoste guy or Patrick Bateman or whatever we want to call him, this, or Ryan Gosling, when he closes the steel door from the sidewalk, it hits Val on the head and he dies. What do you think of that? That was super weird. Yeah, that was really weird. That was when uh, Gosling Goon like puts the lock on the pat on the. Uh... Yep, exactly. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, that's um, that was really weird. It was one of those kind of strange things where they kind of just bring him back to tie everything back in, and you're like, uh, wait, who? Who was yeah. that? 
Was if that, you're willing to kill that? motherfuckers, why don't you just kill this motherfucker? Right. I don't know. It it's, was weird. It's, it's classic Especially, James Bond bullshit where it's like, I'm you're going to die. I'm just going to leave and you're going to die. I'm not going right. to sit and watch you die or verify it. I'm just going to leave. Yeah. I mean, it almost makes you. That, so we're talking Val. Val was the one that had the knife, right? The one that was spitting all that weird shit, the random things. Or was that somebody else? I think it's somebody else. And I think that Val oh. is the guy from Victor. Who Val is Lenny. So Val is yeah. Lenny. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it was it was definitely strange. It, it didn't seem like it kind of made sense. Like I guess he was just kind of leaving since Victor is, was already dead, right? It was just kind of one of those things where he's like, "Well, fuck it, I gotta get out of here." But it's funny because Val being Lenny, you're like, how is he really gonna rationalize this shit? At the same time, you just have Daniel Stern, Marv, whatever the Rev just boldly go into the sewer and in the same sewer conveniently coincidentally you have george cooper going in with the reporter man murphy who we just established in the movie at the park we don't like the character and he dies and we were talking about this before we went on the air i don't care totally okay with it totally okay with it and you know what's funny is he so he I feel like the only reason why he is kind of relevant in the scene where it's like him and George is because like he pulls out a gun, right? Yep. He and it's like okay, so now George has a gun. Yep. That's really the only reason why he's there. Yep. And so George gets the gun. I feel like George should have written on Murphy's shirt. Now I have a machine gun. <laughs> ho ho ho. But Brian, you know how funny it is that our brains work in such similar ways. I'm looking at my notes. Um, you know, I, I put that the the music was good throughout. Uh, you know, you have David A. Hughes doing the music uh, on Rolling Stone's Best Horror Music. You hated the music. But I right did. underneath that, I have Rev stumbles into the gathering of the Chuddalos <laughs> when they're all standing around the nuclear waste just kind of yes. like swaying. Yes. And it's funny. They're swaying. They're almost like dancing to like the, the, the fucking um, radioactive fucking <laughs> sound waves. You know what I mean? I would love it if, you know, what we should do is re-record that's the thing youtube we're gonna get pulled no matter what we do so we'll just record it and send it to each other uh and it'll be uh, king's harvest dancing in the moonlight while the chuds <laughs> just sway back and forth that's so great yeah dude. it's funny because it's such a oh, sorry i just that mo- that song is really good and this movie is really not so you can imagine why my brain just wandered right so then so they stumble across them doing their little like fucking weird uh, dancing that's going Seance. on, right? And then they they notice them, right? They turn yeah. around and kind of have like their like weird little war cries. Because he he steps and he knocks some rubble loose and it falls, and they're like, "What? I'm being watched." That that's my <laughs> Chud voice, by the way. It's <laughs> also my so, voice for pretty much every character who I think is kind of annoying. So all the meanwhile, this is happening. You also have his girlfriend right upstairs, yeah. and she's like totally doing shower time. Right? And the entire time I'm like, oh, gonna see some boobies. Gonna see... Nope, nothing. So nothing. bullshit. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Brian, there's something I wanted to talk to you about. We might as well do it now because boobs organically came up. And I don't get to sound like a pervert even though I was talking about my chud dick earlier. <laughs> Gordy Howe is the most famous hockey player of all time in my he, Without him, you have no Wayne Gretzky. He's so synonymous with hockey, he's called Mr. Hockey. There's a famous term that is used for Gordie Howe, which is the Gordie Howe hat trick, which is if you get a goal, you get an assist, and you get a fight in the same game. I like it. I'd kind of like to propose an option for the Gordie Howe hat trick for our movies, where you have a, a kill, you have boobies, 
and you have one other thing. Can you think of anything for that one other huh. thing? You know, usually... I'm putting you on the spot. I always do this. Yeah, I'm sorry. no, you... <laughs> the only thing I can think of, like, off the top of my head is if there was, like, some sort of corny phrase while it happens. Like a last right? action where, line. Right. It's, like, something where, like... Uh, or it's... Maybe it's just, like, uh, I don't know, like, a super way that they die. Like, if it's a chick... Like, for instance, um, in... I think it was Scream... Uh, when she is trying to get away and she climbs through the dog door in the garage oh, or yeah. something, and then the garage like winds itself up. He like and turns the garage there. on, yeah, and then like like you know strangles her to death or whatever. So we're I don't know. Nothing this. comes to mind. Yeah, I've had enough people reach out to me with the nipple butter thing from our earlier episode, which was my you know barometer to see how many people were listening. Um, I have given out multiple dollars. I shan't give out another. <laughs> Our new thing is come up with a third thing. We have death, boobs, and one other thing for the Gordie Howe hat trick, which is going to be our official slashers metric for how good a movie is. Because uh, I will tell you this plainly this movie could have been great. It yeah, just took absolutely. a B cup. I'm not greedy. Definitely not. I mean, she was already talking about pimples on her butt. So, I mean, please just throw me a little bone here. <laughs> uh, also, the musical score when she's being pursued by the Chud is my favorite in the movie. It reminds me that like 80s synth kind of reminds me of this game I used to play called Master Blaster. And that was like a huge <laughs> part of my childhood where it starts off with a kid whose frog escapes and jumps down a hole, and he jumps down the hole too, and it kind of becomes like Alice in Wonderland, but for boys, because the frog turns into a giant monster and runs off, and then he enters a tank, and you play in the tank, and you side-scroll, and it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> I love that game. Nice, nice. I, we should review video games just so I could have an excuse to talk about it and oh my shit God. on Fortnite. I would love that shit, man. Video games are life. Um, but one thing is funny that you, you brought up that the, the soundtrack and everything as far as, especially with her getting pursued by the Chud, is it reminded you of, you know, the video games and all the synth and everything. And the first thing that came to mind or the first thing I told, uh, Michelle was, yeah, I wasn't really that big of a fan of the soundtrack. I feel like it was just like synth everything. Loved it. <laughs> so good. Spotify doesn't have it, and I think that's a big fuck up because I've listened to it on YouTube like three or four times since. Yeah. I listened to it while giving my daughter a bath. Do you realize <laughs> what's going on here? There you go, start them young. It's very soothing. Um, it's well, I mean, it's very synth wave, which is very good. Yeah, that's true. Relaxing that's music. true. Uh, did you did you happen to think that <laughs> at least to, in my opinion, I felt like um, when she grabbed the samurai sword, I was like, Kill Bill. <laughs> So dope. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino stole everything in his entire career, and this is no exception. He was like, "Oh, that blonde lady with sword." Hmm. Yeah, it's like it's funny because like there isn't any kind of uh, recollection of her pursuing um, the Japanese arts yeah. of, as far as like you know, like I know how to swing a samurai sword or this. Or, I don't know. Well, it's great. It's like, it even makes George more of a poser because it's like you, you have a sword. You're like cool, Mister Guy, because you have you're so worldly. You have a sword, but you live it. You know, yeah, I don't know. It, it's so weird, and it's battle ready, right? That's a whole right. thing. Yeah, Let's talk that's about that thing too. I know the yeah. difference between show swords and battle ready swords. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, one of those things that I don't know. It just if you're in New York City and you're fighting for your life in an apartment, I feel like a samurai sword is not the first thing that comes to mind. 
I don't know. Louis a Louisville slugger. slugger Dude. <laughs> We're so best friends. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. It's And it's one of those things where, um, especially with the scene where right before she cuts the thing's head off, like he like extends his neck out for her. What is that? He's like, oh, he's like, oh, here you go. Let's make this easier on the lady. (laughs) Yeah, that was a little weird. You know what it kind of reminded me of was the. um, This is totally weird, but it reminded me of the Ninja Turtles uh, movie where it was the the baby uh, turtle. Razor, the Tokar Razor. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just kind of reminded me of that, like the way his head was shaped and everything. Like if he just like extended his neck out. Coloration, I like it. Um, If we're gonna do a mashup, uh, have you ever seen the movie The Warriors? Warriors, come out to play. I would love if the Chuds were just happened to be one of the New York gangs, and you had to have the Warriors (laughs) fight them. That would be pretty sweet. As soon as we mentioned Louisville Sluggers, you have to go to the Baseball Furies, right? That's just a given. Yeah. And also, I don't give a fuck about real baseball, so that's my association. It's a movie that came out before I was born, not the prevalent sport that is on TV right. all the time. One thing that I feel like we uh, we kind of skipped over was how the Chud even actually got there, or even before that, you know, the whole shower scene. We got caught up with the whole boobies and baby basically lack thereof. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, like, gurgling and, like, her... He her, plugs like, the uh, yeah, the drain. Right, the drain, and I feel like that's one of those things that is, um, I don't know, it seems kind of pretty gory, right, with all the blood. Like, is like, I don't know, there isn't a lot of blood in the movie. Like, I yeah. feel like that's the most blood, I feel like, in the entire movie. From what I can almost. recall, yeah. And, well, then there's the dog yeah. that's hanging, but other than the that. The dog that's hanging, yeah. And I feel like we kind of just glossed over that because, well, dog hanging. Yeah, I'm not about <laughs> that. It's like exploitative. That's, that's uncouth, my friend. It is uncouth. Yeah, so then she she hears or she goes down into the basement, right? And there's like the like metal like plated yep. latch, right? And then she for some reason wants to open it up. She like hears things and she's like, "Oh, maybe it's George." Or <laughs> what is like why does she open it? It's a it's a magic squirrel with gifts. Like nothing <laughs> good's down there, lady. <laughs> this whole thing is very weird to me. And I think there were there are two things they could have done to really fix it. Why is this Chud obsessed with her? Why is it willing to traverse up the entire apartment building, go to just her door out of all the doors? And no, the that- it did go to another door, right? Or was that a separate Chud? Because remember, the little boy was also like about to open the door. But I think right? he's just hiding. Because that's not his goal. He doesn't just stay there. He moves up to her is the way I think it. But yeah, you're exactly right. Which again, you're ploying with me. You're trying to get me to care about some fucking weird looking kid. (laughs) I had the reaction of One Punch Man. If you've ever seen that, I've watched not all of it, but what I've watched I loved. And the guy's origin story, he's looking at this kid who's so fucking ugly, but he's going to get killed by a monster. He's like, I should help this kid. But he's so ugly. <laughs> and so I was like, fuck, kill the kid. I don't care. You've kill already killed kid. one kid in this Absolutely. movie. What's it matter? Kid was, kid was damn lucky his mom uh, prepped that dinner for him when he did. Because yeah. otherwise he would have fucking chud food. <laughs> and so this chud, you know, is willing to do all this to get to her. I think there are two ways you fix it. One is, you know, it was a, a hobo who was obsessed with her. 
pre-nuclear waste, or two, that George had brought something back from the sewers that he left in the apartment that had like a pheromone or something. Right, right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. You know what's funny um, is it's like walking up the stairs, and I feel like the entire time, like, I mean, how many stories are those apartments? They're like five, six, seven stories. Imagine like halfway up the stairs, it's like hand on its hip. It's (sighs) like... trying to do the firefighter challenge from 9-11 with all the gear on it's like oh god no i like the idea that he gets up like two flights of stairs and he's like fuck this and he, it's him in the elevator and he's like got his arms folded and he's like tapping his toe impatiently while bossing little, over the place little elevator music going da, da, i like it da, 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 da. he's like looking and at his all- wrist where a watch would have been right and all the all the meanwhile um <laughs> she's like opening every window in the apartment screaming her lungs out and nobody cares they're like dude shut up you're being way too loud <laughs> you over dramatic white bitch <laughs> all of us are dying bitch <laughs> yeah i thought that was kind of funny she's like screaming and then literally nothing happened you're like oh all right sweet Nobody gives a shit. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, her boyfriend is down, and he finds Victor, and Victor's become, like, a half-chud zombie thing, and tries to bite him. Uh, kind of weak. Whatever. The makeup in that is cl- the closest thing you get in Chud 2, so I guess it's kind of cool if you're a continuity whore, but otherwise it doesn't matter. Um, right. And then, so he shoots him, right? And then he's like, okay, he's dead. Yep. And then he, like, comes back again, yep. and then he shoots him in the head, and I feel like I'm like, I I really want to see a little more blood here. <laughs> right? It's one of, those, one of those things where it's like, I don't know, it almost seems like it should have been predated to even, like, earlier than the 19, when was it, 1984? Four or three. Right. It seemed like, you know, like the older, like old, older movies where like they would shoot somebody and then there would like be a delay and then their head would like swing back and then, Ah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) right. And then they would maybe be like a little red mark on their chest or like on the side of their face. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because it was weird because you have the lady attacking him, Victor's attacking him, and then the Rev shows up and then he and the Rev are home just by default when the Rev looks like a homeless person too. (laughs) <laughs> whatever That's so the rev saves hooper you find out that the chub disease or whatever is transmittable which you didn't know before here's a weird one cooper says to i believe it's the rev and says thank god you deliver when he recognizes that he's from soup kitchen the i worst. do remember that the that worst. was so weird like because uh, like, he hasn't been a funny character the whole time so why is he funny now right yeah it, it definitely kind of reminiscent of um then the faculty, right? Yeah. What is uh, what is Frodo guaranteed say? to jack you up? <laughs> Which every time I hear that line, I, I always think of you know the the porn parody writes itself, right? <laughs> say it with me: one, two, three. Guaranteed to jack you off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like it's like a the quote or the the um the catchphrase for like jolt energy drink <laughs> for sure. Let's snort some caffeine pills. <laughs> Again, we end up at the apartment with the lady friend. Uh, for some reason, the cord has been cut for the phone, so the chud is smart enough to have done that. So you get you get in a lot of inconsistent stuff. Right, um, right. Does doesn't uh, or didn't? I feel like cops maybe heard her scream. I want to say cops came to the apartment, right? Yes, like, at the floor of it, but they don't come up. Oh, okay. So yeah. that's what. So where what where did those cops go? I don't even recollect where those cops I went. Think they could eat did by they other die? Chuds? They might have died. Yeah, I think they died. I think they got eaten by it. Because so then there's then more think... chuds in there. Yeah, 
Uh, I think she actually she actually hops in the cop car, right? She steals and it, then yeah. drives off. Exactly, <laughs> which is Sorry. totally fine. It's I, totally I legit. Right here, after I see that the phone cord was cut, that the chud eats the cops in the halls, and then I said it makes sense that she then puts her ear to the door because she looked out the window and saw the cop car. So naturally, right. she think that the cops are there for her, and then boom, there's the chud. Also, okay. I don't know how we did this. We're just so excited talking about boners. Um, the John Goodman scene. They're in the yeah. diner. He's flirting. He's being pervy regarding the waitress's legs. It's awesome. And then they look out the window, and there's a chud at every window, and they're like leering. Yeah, it's in like at bam. It's like it's like at every window, and it's like a total old school, like almost fifties diner kind of style. And um, it kind of has like a cool setting, and I feel like they could have done a lot with it. Yeah. And then I was like so like disappointed. It's like oh, they all died. The end. <laughs> exactly. It's like when a, a child is writing a book report or something for school, and they reach the page limit, and it goes, "Everybody dies." The end. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so with uh, the extra with the extra large periods in between yeah. uh, sentences, you know, you, do you remember that trick? <laughs> oh yeah, using like a giant sharpie marker. <laughs> so we find out that there's um, back down in the sewers. There's the urban disposal toxic waste that has the chud imprint chud you later find out that chud hasn't stood for cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller it stood for contamination hazard urban disposal and this is all a happy accident you know the fact that there are these monsters this isn't like a government plan to make the perfect killing machine which is what they would have you believe in chud too right right so stupid ruining continuity of what would have been a classic if it had boot you know what's funny is cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers sound a lot better than what it actually is. Yeah. Right? I feel like that those words work. Yeah. Whereas, uh, what's the other one again? Contamination hazard urban disposal. Right. Contamination hazard. I feel like those two don't really flow together, right? Yeah. I don't know. It just seems really weird. Well, I think that you get to the word chud from using cannibalist around dweller. You get to contamination hazards or urban disposal because you already have a chud and you need to figure out something else right it's like an afterthought so whatever yeah uh the chud breaks in from the subterranean layer he has glowing eyes but can't see in the dark because she turns off the circuit breaker in her apartment which doesn't make any sense gets his head cut off like you said they go she gets in the cop car she needs to save george and the rev I even drew a picture of the cop car screeching because at this point I'm very <laughs> bored. Um, this guy, the guy Wilson from the NRC, is constantly being threatened by the press. Like, oh, we're gonna go to the press, and I'm like, this is such a dated movie. Nobody gives a fuck. Right, if this happened right. in Trump's America, he'd be like, yeah, I, I put toxic waste underneath my casino, and you can also get a tostada bowl upstairs. Nobody fucking cares. <laughs> They're like tostada bowl. <laughs> God, remember when that was a whole thing? just a world we live in man i feel like we watch horror movies for a safe haven now we're like (laughs) shit just made sense you know yeah definitely you know what's funny is um that wilson guy definitely makes you think like and i feel like it's it's portrayed throughout i guess the history of all kinds of film regardless if it's if it's horror or what have you it always seems like the government is the bad guy right no matter what for sure (laughs) look at lots of george a romero flicks the government's bad um, you know, it's the townsfolk who end up killing the dude in Night of the Living Dead. And he, like, authority is... But that's the thing. Think of the people who like horror. We generally have some kind of contempt for authority, or at least the mainstream, and what's more mainstream than the government. That's true. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where you're just like you constantly think, uh, what do they have behind their back? You know, right? They got some ulterior motive. Well, and what's great about this is it's pretty clearly it's tied to money. It, they, they, if it, if it was the idea that they had created the perfect killing machine and they're trying to right. hide it, I've seen that kind of shit. But this is, I you know, at this so, time period, I hadn't heard of something like this where it's the government being financially evil as opposed right, to right. war machine evil. So here's here's what's kind of crazy though, if you think about it. Like I feel like this isn't too far off from what actually happens in real life, right? As far as with the transients. Sure. Like you look at like where these like giant camps full of homeless people and the cities have no idea what to do with them. So they're like, all right, throw them on a bus and send them down to another city. California. They're their problem. <laughs> that's the truth. Sad. I mean, that's the thing. We're a temperate climate, so you can live in a tent on, you know, Rodeo Drive year round and you'll be fine. It's not like if you live in New York, you'll freeze to death. Yeah. It's it's definitely a sad thing to think about when it comes to something like Chud, right? Where it's clearly like a, very much like a, a B movie, but it has that like serious tone to it when yeah. it comes to like the overtone of being like, okay, well, this is actually a problem, right? Because there are homeless people all over and there's not really a solution. And I think what's interesting about the way that this is, this is like a thesis statement, right? Where you're like, here's the movie I want to make. And if you put this movie with more competent directors, you know, largely the actors, writers, you know, visual effects, this could be a really good movie. Right. But it's not. And it's one of the things like <laughs> this message, you know, you and I have a reason to look beyond the first layer of it. We're, you know, if you're, we're Shrek and Donkey. We're looking in the layers of the onion here. But is the casual person going to? Probably not. They're probably just going to dismiss it and be like, it's just a fucking movie. Like, it's not that good. Right, right. They're just going to dismiss it as um, unfortunate homeless people get eaten by cannibalistic humanoids. There's that. Yep. Right? It's just take it at face value. So um, we move on. Wilson threatens Bosch, and Bosch is like, what are you going to do? Shoot me? Famous Uh, last words, because he ends up getting shot. It doesn't (laughs) die. Then you have the Rev run this fucking dude down um, with a car, and... Or he tries to, and he ends up taking Bosch's gun and shooting right, through yeah, the car so, window. So Wilson, right? So Wilson tries running over exactly. them, right? And, so that's and then what it he is, yeah. takes the gun and masterfully shoots through the windshield and hits him. I was say, I feel like it's like the second shot. So they do give it kind of like a make it like a little intense. Where you're like, oh come on, at least get that one shot off. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know how many bullets this thing has, but. God help me, I'm going to get it. <laughs> yeah, it, well, one of the things I find is really funny is I, I'm so deeply ingrained in these tropes that happen over and over again. I was really expecting the gun to jam as well, to add like an extra <laughs> element. And it's like, it's a right, six shooter, it's right. not going to do it. But yeah, it You was know what's there. funny is I, I feel like um, they were a lot closer than they actually were for some reason. I feel like he was like right across the street, but then like it shows them after the fact and he's like a couple blocks over. Or he, you know what I mean? I don't know. It, it was funny, right? So he, he shoots him. Uh, the tire goes into the manhole and then the van explodes yep. because that's what happens. And it's just that van, right? I don't think any of the other ones blew up. Right. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things where... Um, Yep, just the van. You know, God forbid you uh, you have a tire going to a manhole, Ugh, you're gonna you're probably gonna explode. I mean, yes, there's the gas, but I mean, I don't know if 
just the tire going into a manhole is going to create an explosion. But well, it's because the the vans were rigged underneath with an explosive. So oh, the, is that what it was? Yeah. I so if the chunks tried that. to escape and push up, it would blow up and blow down. Oh, so it was uh, like a claymore or something. Yeah, huh? it's a, <laughs> it's one throwaway line, and if it wasn't for the fact I was taking notes, I probably wouldn't have caught it myself. I'm like that's interesting. So it was, it's explosives that basically explode based off of touch. Yep. Huh. Okay. When we were having coffee the other day, we were talking about the famous last line with Bosch. He's talking to the Rev. You thought he said, good shot. I thought he said, nice shot. Because I had the Filzer song, hey man, nice shot, stuck in my head for the next two days. I honestly don't know who's right. So I'm going to Google search and see, chud, nice shot. Mm, yep, he does say nice shot. Not trying to run oh, it he in. says nice shot. Just no, need to no, feel sane. But that's fine because now we totally can tie in Hey Man, Nice Shot. Yep, and that's going in the <laughs> intro for sure because the song that we're going to use as well is Aggression, The Final Massacre because he mentions the Chuds invading and that song sucks. So if I can put in Filter as well. Um, Brian, the movie ends and I don't know what to say. Um, like I said, if it's more competent staff and artists you could have made this really interesting and compelling and right, humanizing if right. you care about these people but i don't no, you know what I, yeah it's one of those things where the way they had it set up the way it was made uh, definitely um uh, you know it was one of those for for me at least i you know i'm glad i watched it will i watch again probably not nah, yeah. i i say that in in a, in a sense in that the original i would not now that with that being said, I know there have been multiple people that have thought about doing a complete remake of it, right? So I want to say I did a little research and they were saying like Rob Zombie was even tied to maybe like a remake of it, which I thought would be kind of cool, but it didn't end up, uh, you know, it ended up falling through or yeah. it was in, I, I want to say that was around 2007. So, I mean, obviously it's been about 11 years. So, but still the longer it goes without doing a remake, the more likely a remake becomes if it keeps, if it maintains its cult status, you know, and if it's not Rob Zombie, it's going to be somebody else. And it, it, like we said, at first I was thinking to myself that it couldn't be done, but now I'm like, it's almost laughable that it hasn't been done. When you're talking right. about like the subversion and you know the distrust of the government, social media, uh, addressing the unwashed masses who have their plight that needs to be advocated on their behalf, uh, I feel like this movie kind of works in that regard, uh, conceptually but not in execution. You know, it's kind of like George A. Romero when he does Land of the Dead, where you're like, oh, I feel I'm, I'm supposed to feel bad for the plight of the zombie, and they're still human beings; they still want to live a life. But at the same point, I'm like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. You didn't do a good right. job doing it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. The cups, right? Yep. As far as okay, so give an overview of the I, cups for those of the oh, audience who don't know what we're I'll talking let, about. I'll let you do the overview about that. Okay, because it's, it's my <laughs> baby. Um, so, in terms of Amer- North American hockey, you have the NHL, which has the Stanley Cup, which we call the Stabley Cup. The AHL, which has the Calder Cup, which we call the Scalder Cup, and the ECHL, which has the Kelly Cup, which we call the Killy Cup. What we mean by that is a Stanley, or rather a Stabley Cup winner, is a good, good movie. A uh, Scalder Cup is a good, bad movie. And a Killy Cup is a bad, bad movie. So far, if I'm not mistaken, we have the Stabley Cup champion, who's longstanding at this point, is an American Werewolf in London. Scolder right. Cup is the faculty, which is good, bad, and there is yet to be a crowned Killy Cup. Just saying, no pressure to tell you where to vote, but 
would be nice to have them all accounted for. So in terms yeah. of, do you think that it's fits in any of those categories? And do you think it's good enough to dethrone if it is a category that overlaps? Yeah, you know what's funny is I, I'm leaning towards Killy Cup. And that's not saying it because we don't have anybody that has that title. And um, I want to even say that like even like Event Horizon, not necessarily saying that it's completely Killy Cup. Because I feel like it's a, it's a gray area in between um, the Calder and the Killy. I agree right? with Because I feel like it has so much more potential than it actually is. Um, or was, I should say. Yeah. Um, with that being said, it, it was already going... Uh, went up against uh, the faculty. Yep. And the faculty won. So um, I'm going to have to give it a Killy Cup. Yeah, I'm going to have to say bad, bad. I but, think I agree and with that's, you. And it's, it's funny because it's not terrible it's not it's not bad bad in the thought that like i don't want people to think to when they hear this that i'm just saying it's a shit movie and you shouldn't watch it right like it's when i say bad bad it's when as far as categorizing the films that we've watched so far well it's a contest right exactly everything's comparative and i think especially when you look at the other films we've done that's the case you know uh when you look at so one of the other terms that you might have heard us use in the past was classic, trashic, or tragic. Uh, I think that a movie's tragic if you would never watch it again on your own. Because there are a lot right. of bad movies that I have shown my friends because it's an experience. Chud being one of them where it's like, okay, well, I want you to see this so you can kind of experience something weird and move on. But it's, if it's something I'm not going to pop in my own DVD player, I think that's a good sign. There's no rewatchability. On a personal level. Right. You would rewatch this on your own. That's what I feel like is different. You would rewatch it or would you not? I, I have rewatched it, but I don't think that this movie bothers me to the extent. I mean, also there's redeeming characteristics to it. Like, I like the visual effects. I like the imagery. Um, I like the music quite a bit. I like some of the acting performances. But, you know, this is a democracy and I think that there right. are much more substantive arguments to give it a Killy Cup so I agree with you I think that we have our inaugural Killy Cup champion yeah agreed and then, you know going back to it a little bit as well as far as I'm starting to open my eyes um, up about when it comes to these films is really paying attention to the budget I've never really paid attention to any film's budget really yeah. at all before doing this. So it really kind of puts into perspective what they could and couldn't do with what they had, right? And then it kind of gives them kind of a redeeming quality, right? Yeah. This movie is charming. It does do quite a bit with the budget it had. But then there are also areas where you have clear fluff. And I think that the movie is not good. It is charming. It, like it has that kind of quaintness where you're like, oh, but that that's the thing. We've talked about this a lot. There are these time capsule movies where it's very fun to look at something that's already happened and think like how cool it is that you have this glimpse into the pop culture of the time, the you know the the science of the time, the uh, the social trends, the makeup and all this. And this movie doesn't compare. Like you can't tell me that this movie that comes out three years later than American World from London is anywhere near as good right absolutely you completely uh hit it on the head with that i like it and and, you know that's not to say it couldn't be but like here's a great example compare this movie to alien because alien came out even earlier than that not even close not even close and obviously the budgets are different 
But that's the thing. We're not looking at the movie at what it could have been. We're looking at the movie as it is. So I think that it's Killy Cup, and I, I, I can sleep easily tonight knowing that. Agreed. Agreed. All right, Brian. This was a fun episode. I really enjoyed it. I hope that our fans did too, because we went off the rails, because this movie is kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we uh, we, we delved off a little bit, but then we, we, we brought it back in. But uh, all in all, yeah, it went really well. I yeah. hope everybody enjoys it. So real yeah. quick, we do have a Patreon. But I, as I said on my stint on Cult Classic Mania, I'm not interested in your money. I'm interested in your feedback. So if you can, what I would really love is for you to send some kind of... You can leave us a review, which helps us. That's great. Or you can just reach out to us personally. We have SlashersPod at Twitter, Instagram, Gmail. However, Facebook, you can let us know. I'd love to engage in a meaningful back and forth with you and make sure that our show is what you want it to be. Believe it or not, we do interact with our fans. It's not one of those things where it's just like, well, here's our page and, uh, you know, whatever. Enjoy our content. We will uh, we will get back. Absolutely. And I have longstanding text threads with multiple you know, people who've become friends because of our show. And I think that's beautiful. Um, don't expect me to give out my number. But, you know, it might happen. You know, give it the old college try. Um, if you want to reach out to Jake personally, you can reach me at gore-die-howe, which is G-O-R-E-D-I-E-H-O-W-E, which is a reference to Mr. Hockey, the best Red Wing there ever was. And Wayne Gretzky? I will fight you. <laughs> I, I almost called you the Ted Lindsay to my Gordie Howe. Guess what's never happening, my friend? You're not on the production Ouch. line. You're getting replaced. You're not even on the production line, too. And you don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, that's it, man. So uh, I'm just going to leave you with, uh, if you ain't watching dying, you ain't really trying, guys. I hate to slash and dash. Going back to the classic version, because Hugs and Stitches is taken by some lady on Etsy. Hate to slash and dash, <laughs> but you have a nice We're stash. Out. Oh, wait. Well, how did it go again? <laughs>